This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. One of the most mentioned New Year's resolutions every year is to get in better shape. And in many instances, that pledge will last a few weeks and then the commitment gets pushed aside. But as more and more policy is set in part due to the results of behavioral science, understanding the best way to boost exercise behavior is going to be vital to its longer term success. A massive field experiment involving over 60,000 members of an American fitness chain looked at what components are most successful. Katie Milkman is a professor of operations, information, and decisions at the Warren School. She's also co-director of the Behavior Change for Good Initiative and author of the book, How to Change, and a pleasure to have her back on the show. Hi, Katie. Happy holidays to you. Hi, Dan. Thanks so much for having me, and happy holidays to you, too. Thank you. So uh, let's start with this study and, and, and how it was conducted, because I find it interesting. It's, it's referred to a, as a mega study. So is, is it a little bit different than, than, uh, than what we might see traditionally? What we're doing in this work is trying to pioneer a new kind of social science research uh, that looks a little bit more like the big science that we're used to seeing in physics or medicine, where a huge investment is made to try to make meaningful progress on a problem with dozens of scientists involved. So this mega study, instead of testing a single idea or a single hypothesis about how to change behavior, it, we, we went and sourced ideas from dozens of scientists and then pooled them and ended up testing 54 different ways that we thought it might be possible to change behavior around exercise. And uh, then we sort of see what's the cream that rises to the top, and we can make nice apples-to-apples comparisons between different approaches and say, you know, this is cost-effective, this is less cost-effective, this is how well this works compared to that. So uh, we were really excited to introduce this new methodology to the social sciences with this project. And so the, the, the case here is that providing more options does provide you a better understanding, I think, on a larger scale as to what's going to uh, resonate with the public uh, in general? Exactly. That's the idea. If we have a policy problem we want to solve using behavioral science, we want to understand, in this case, uh, how to get people to exercise more or, you know, say there's some other issue like how to encourage vaccination or how to increase student attendance in schools, right? These are important problems. They involve behavior change. Why just if you're a scientist and you want to make progress on this or a policymaker, why test just a single idea, which is the way science is normally done, when you could actually test dozens and compare all of them in a lineup and say, you know what, this works best. It's better than these 50 other alternatives. Let's move forward with that idea. All right. So I won't have you go through all 54 of them, but why don't we look at the, you know, the top couple of ideas that ended up resonating the best in terms of, you know, getting that that uh, that push for people to work out in the gym? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to share some of the the big winners. So first of all, I should say that um, baked into this program we built for 24-hour fitness members, it was a month-long program to encourage them to exercise more and help them build that habit. And uh, people signed up and um, built into the sort of most basic version were some things we knew increase exercise based on past research. And we proved that yet again, they worked. And those were things like getting people to make a plan for the dates and times each week when they intended to work out, sending them text reminders to go to the gym at those times and offering them points every time they visit the gym that could be converted to prizes. Uh, We called them micro incentives because they were 
pretty low value, but we're giving people the equivalent of about 22 cents that they can then spend on Amazon um, for every gym visit they make. And that increased exercise alone by about 9%. But then we layered some things on top that actually did even better. And my favorite um, and the best performer was an insight that came from um, Harvard Business School professor John Bashirs and designed in collaboration with me and Angela Duckworth at Penn. The idea was, let's not let people miss multiple planned gym visits. It's okay if you have one lapse, right? We all miss a day here and there when we plan to do something, but let's not let it turn into more than that. So uh, this one particular version of the program offered people a tiny little bonus, nine extra cents uh, if they um, missed a day, but then came back the next day. So say you're planning to go to the gym on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, you miss Tuesday, we say, like, don't miss Thursday, too. Don't let it become, you know, a series of misses. And, in fact, to make you excited about coming back, instead of giving you 22 cents to come back on Thursday, you'll get 9 cents extra, 31 cents. So, obviously, it's not so much money that it's driving it, but uh, but this idea that we're, we're trying to motivate people not to let a streak of misses accumulate, just one miss, but then get back on the wagon. And that turned out to increase exercise by 27%. So really exciting to see the power of that basically communicating you don't want to have two slip-ups in a row. Well, and I think the the other thing I wanted to bring up is something I believe you, you touched on as well, is that the, the industry in general, I think, is, is changing. And it did during the pandemic, obviously, because people couldn't get to the gym uh, because a lot of facilities were closed. But they were using digital content at home to continue their workout. And I'm wondering if there's a, a combination of the two that may fit in a, as you move forward. Yeah, it's a great point. Well, all of these uh, programs that we built were digital in nature, right? Everything was delivered to people primarily on smartphones, right? They're getting text messages, emails, digital incentives. They sign up for this program on a computer or on their smartphone that uh, gives them some messages about what it's going to be like for the next 28 days. And there's no reason that that has to be delivered for an in-person program, right? You could use these kind of motivating tools and tactics to encourage someone to exercise in their home just as well as in the gym. So I do think there are nice complementarities there with the the change in the way many of us are getting our workouts done. It could easily be switched um, with these same insights. It sounded like then from the example you laid out that that obviously the, the one incentive was the 22 cents, but then if you missed a day, it was potentially an additional nine cents. And I'm wondering if there's an element of combination of of rewards in there that also is a driver. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's certainly, and in fact, I should note that one of uh, one of the other things that worked really well and we tested was just giving people more rewards. So we had one version of the program where people, instead of earning 22 cents per gym visit, earned more like $2 per gym visit. What's interesting is that was not any more effective. It was equally effective, in fact, um, as this program that I just described where it was, you know, you get 22 cents a visit, but if you miss one to come back, we give you a little extra bonus. So even though it's way cheaper to implement um, the psychology of that, the power of trying to, I think, you know, get people not to have a streak of misses outperforms just a big boost in incentives. But absolutely, you know, incentives themselves, we know from decades of research, actually probably more than decades, I should say, like centuries of research that um, incentives are a very powerful motivator. And what I think is really exciting about what we're doing in this project and others is trying to move beyond just understanding a pure incentive as a motivator and saying, well, what 
psychological ingredients, what behavioral ingredients are other powerful motivators of change that can be even more cost effective when we have an important policy problem that we want to tackle. So in the scope of the industry, what's been the reaction to to this research, uh, either by 24-hour fitness or, or just the, the, the industry as a whole? It's a great question. Um, there's a lot of excitement, I think, about the potential of these new tools. If you look at um, organizations or companies like Peloton, for instance, right, uh, there's just tremendous use of behavioral insights and excitement about the potential of these tools to change behavior. 24-Hour Fitness was an early adopter and partnering with us, but I think there's so many exercise apps, there's so many programs um, that are building this in and sort of focusing on, our, you know, our, do you have a streak, making sure you have reminders that you can pre-schedule and sort of understanding yeah. that these things matter if we want to get people to change their behavior. So I think there's a lot of excitement and we'll see a growth in organizations using these light touch, low cost tactics to help people achieve their own goals. And and, and is there an element also, I, I guess, where that that connection point with the business and the consumer, you have to kind of strike that right balance so you don't seem intrusive, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one of the nice things about this project and all the work we do at the Behavior Change for Good initiative, I mean, there's a reason we call it the Behavior Change for Good initiative. You know, we're, we're focused on areas where um, there's no gray uh, in terms of are we doing good and, and would a consumer right. want this, right? So in this case, right. like everybody who is in the program signs up. They all want to exercise more. They choose to. And then we're using the best tools at our disposal, the best ideas we have to try to help them achieve their own objectives. So I think that's an important aspect of this kind of um, program and what makes it successful. As you kind of alluded to a moment ago, this mega study that you did really has the opportunity to expand out to probably a lot of different business sectors, thinking about, you know, ways to connect with the consumer as you move forward, especially using smartphones and digital technology to do so. Yeah, absolutely. I I really hope, you know, and it's funny. This is a paper that has two purposes that we wrote that, that came out in Nature. And it, the first purpose was, like, let's test some ideas for digital tools that can encourage more gym going. But the second was to pioneer a different approach to doing science at, that could be used by lots of different companies and lots of different scientists with questions about what's the best way to change behavior um, instead of just you know, doing a simple A-B test, which is the way most organizations operate. They have an idea, oh, maybe it'd be better if we use this subject line. Let me just yeah. run an A-B test. Um, or if I send this text message versus that, there's an opportunity to actually test many more ideas at once in a comparable way and see what's, what's the winner. So I hope we'll see more organizations adopting this mega study approach where you source dozens of ideas at once and test them all simultaneously as opposed to a single one, and you can advance knowledge much faster. Well, and it certainly is, you know, it is easy, easier, I think, these days to be able to do such uh, these types of studies because of the technology that's available. Oh, absolutely. It's much more feasible um, and, and you can collect so much data and so many people are connected and you can yeah. measure outcomes so much more readily than um, than you used to be able to. So I think the potential is huge. These kinds of things can be done so easily when you're digitally interacting with a consumer. Katie, it's always great to talk with you. Happy holidays, and we will talk to you very soon again. Thank you so much for having me. Likewise, it's always a treat.
Thank you. Katie Milkman, Professor of Operations, Information, and Decisions at the Warden School and Co-Director of the Behavior Change for Good Initiative and also author of the book, How to Change. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.